Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Nationwide. What's the saying? There can be only one? Well, when it comes to Carolina, there are two, North and South. The issue arises when each state's flagship school drops the directions and goes with just Carolina. It's embroidered on their clothes, their uniforms, sung in their alma maters. The Carolinas first faced off in football in 1903. South Carolina failed to win the first dozen meetings, so North Carolina was Carolina. But the Gamecocks have won seven of the last nine. So South Carolina has been Carolina, right? Charlotte is the kiln of the Carolina conundrum sitting squarely in the center of the 334-mile Carolina border, the line that separates pine trees from palmetto trees, vinegar-based barbecue from mustard-based, blue from garnet, and most days, Carolina from Carolina. But not this day, when both sides of Carolina are on our minds. And that's where you find us today in Charlotte, Getting ready for that Carolina matchup between North and South in the Duke's Mayo Classic tomorrow night, 7.30 on ABC. We are here. It is College Football Live. Our gang, well, we've grown a little bit. As you can see here, I'm Jen Latta, joined by Desmond Howard, and we have Stanford Steve, and we have Pete Thamel, and we have a lot to get to today. And we have to begin with the news that our guy Pete, the authority, broke this morning on the ACC. Pete, what is the latest with these squads going yeah. to the new conference? Stanford Steve's alma mater will be coming to Carolina <laughs> to play a league game in the latest sort of mind-bending geography uh, dismissing move in conference realignment. Three new schools were voted into the ACC this morning, Cal, Stanford, and SMU. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, which was once a Pac-12, which was reduced to the Pac-10 this summer, now has two schools left. Eight have left since July. And for this move for the ACC, Jen, is really important. It, it brings that league to 18 teams, 17 in football, and it really resets the whole landscape of the collegiate sport environment. Next year, the Big Ten is 18. ACC has 18 slash 17. Big 12 has 16. SEC has 16. We essentially have four major conferences pushing forward, and that got solidified this morning. So Stanford Steve, he mentioned that this is your alma mater yeah. making the move to the ACC. What does this mean for the conference moving forward? Well, first off, they have a game tonight against Hawaii, and whenever you go to Hawaii, they talk about the distractions, <laughs> and now you got coaches and players waking up at 3 a.m. finding out they're in a new conference as far away from Hawaii as possible. So obviously, nobody likes change, but you saw this. The writing was on the wall forever. It started years prior and um, I think it's very beneficial to find a home as bad as it looked Pete I, I just the way things were trending and being left out when all you mentioned 18 teams 18 17 slash 18 and not being a part of that knowing that there is a lot of history in the sports program in Stanford the the idea of a, the, how good they are in Olympic sports and when it's, and it pertains to NCAA championships it's good to have a home so here's the thing. It is always about the haves and the have-nots. Does this move, Desmond, make the ACC now as strong as the Big Ten and the SEC? Absolutely not. No. Um, what they're doing now is they're trying to catch up with the Big 12. Big Ten is number one, clear number one. SEC is number two. The Big 12 started to make some moves, and now the ACC was saying, wait, wait, wait. They're getting all of these schools. 
we need to catch up with the Big 12. So I think right now the ACC is fighting for third spot with the Big 12. I don't think that they're close to the SEC or the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten. So obviously the big game that we are here to celebrate on game day tomorrow is the battle for Carolina, North Carolina and South Carolina. And quarterbacks, guys, as they often do, will take center stage in this one. Drake May won ACC Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year last season. He is hoping to add a Heisman Trophy to his resume this year. Meanwhile, Spencer Rattler entering his final season and second with the Gamecocks. He went 8-5 last season after going 15-2 in two seasons as a starter at Oklahoma. Desmond, we always talk about Heismans. We talk about them real early. Sometimes you get a little bristly about that. But will he live up to all the Heisman hype surrounding him? Drake May, you know, the crazy thing is I don't understand all this Heisman hype. You know, I just really don't because normally if you finish the season strong, then there's a bunch of hype around you. It's like people forget. I mean, they've started the season 9-1, first 10 games. They were looking good. He was on fire. But Drake May finished the season 0-4 because only people who get W's and L's are coaches and quarterbacks. So he finished finished 0-4 with four touchdown passes and four interceptions. Now, how does that propel you into the Heisman talk the next season? So, no, I I don't buy it. Um, But this is a golden opportunity, right? Going up against an SEC team, big stage, game days here. I mean, if you're a legitimate contender or candidate, then your, your, your campaign starts against South Carolina. But, I mean, coming into the season, you haven't seen anything from him. The way he ended the season, I can't say, oh, yeah, well, this guy's one of the guys who's one of my candidates. It just doesn't work like that. A lot of that has to do with him being one of the top projected guys in next year's draft. Pete, do you think it's fair to put that on Drake May right now after what Desmond said didn't end the season very well? Yeah, well, as of right now, I talked to about 10, 12 scouts last week for an article about Caleb versus Drake, and scouts see Drake May as the number two pick in this draft. A bunch of them told me if he came out last year, he would have gone ahead of the first two picks, including Bryce Young, uh, who's playing right over our shoulders here at Bank of America Stadium. Mm. Jen, the key for North Carolina, the key for Drake May this season is going to be the eligibility of Tez Walker, their dynamic receiver who transferred from Kent State. As of about an hour ago, North Carolina had still not heard whether or not he will be granted an eligibility waiver. He's transferred twice. He started his career at North Carolina A&T, didn't play that year in the COVID year, went to K-State, uh, Kent State. Excuse me. The key here is the NCAA told me today that only 18% of these two-time transfer waivers have been passed last year. So there's some pessimism right now over the future of Tez Walker. You you drill down on his case. He has a very good case under the old paradigms of how these waivers were handed out. But I, I'm getting the increasing sense that we may not get a decision as we as we sit here almost close of business on Friday. Yeah, tick and, tock, tick tock. Yeah, and, and, and there's a big drop off from him as the number one receiver to the next best receiver at Carolina, Steve. What happened? Is there any thought process of just playing him? <laughs> That's what I would do. I was told, I was told today what everything is on the table. Exactly. Yeah. I would do. <laughs> I mean, well, the NCAA has lost real. enough lawsuits, right? I yeah. mean, they're they're the Washington I, generals I, of lawsuits. I, so. I bet you his helmet and shoulder pads are here in Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he ran. The coaches. He ran with the ones all week. They are preparing for him to play. Yeah. But as of very very recently, we do not know whether or not the NCAA has granted him eligibility for this season. And there's oh, there are a bunch of other players around the country waiting for these two time transfers right yeah. now. And this is a this is a, a, a tricky wicket for the yeah. NCAA pushing forward. So, so far, we've got a Highlander reference from our friend Ryan McGee in the opener and a Harlem Globetrotters reference for those of you (laughs) keeping score at home. Let's talk about the quarterback situation because people are always paying attention to that. The uncertainty 
it doesn't extend to Georgia anymore, but it does to some of these other teams, Pete. Yeah, so I think to start, uh, you, you look at Georgia, you have Carson Beck. He's thrown 58 career passes. This is going to be his first career start. Now, the benefit for Carson Beck, like a lot of these other guys, Jen, is he has Ladd McConkey to throw to. He has Brock Bowers to throw to. He has a great experience offensive line. There's not going to be a huge push on him to have to be dynamic. Uh, the same goes for Kyle McCord. His first career start, he edged out Devin Brown. There's going to be an extra pressure on him because Devin Brown's going to get a cameo in this game at Indiana on Saturday afternoon to see what he can do. But he obviously has all the toys, starting with Marvin Harrison Jr. and going to Steve's favorite tight end, Cade Stover. Absolutely. Jalen Milrose in a fascinating case for Alabama. He is going to start this game, our Chris Lowe reported today. But I expect to see two and maybe even three Alabama quarterbacks with Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson. I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation, but they're going to have to make a decision quick. Old Texas rolls in next week. And for the Longhorns, you would think Nick Saban wants to have some solidification there. So, obviously, you're looking at that game between Alabama and Middle Tennessee, guys. The total points for uh, is 5.5 against the Tide over or under. You and I were chatting about this in the production office. I've never seen something like that, 5.5. Yeah, There's not a lot of expectation for Middle Tennessee's uh, <laughs> offense uh, tomorrow. But what's interesting, too, is going back to that, those situations with Alabama, I think you've, you're going to see a different Alabama team. I think we're going to see that older school of relying on their defense in that run game. So uh, I'd say Middle Tennessee is up against it. But like you said, Alabama has Texas next week. Coach Saban pulled the starters. Maybe Middle Tennessee gets a couple touchdowns. Desmond, of these quarterback situations that Pete broke down, which is the most alarming to you? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, now, I like the, the breakdown of um, Carson Beck. You talked about Georgia. The thing is, like, they got good receivers, good players to throw to. I mean, you look at Ohio State. Whoever plays quarterback Ohio State, if it's Kyle McCord, if he, if he keeps the starting position, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., who's, like, wide out number one, WR1 in all the college football. So the, the beautiful thing about this is that normally you're not going to have to ask these quarterbacks to do much because you have superstars, Brock Bowers, at Georgia. I picked him to win the Heisman. You know what I mean? He's such a, an exceptional uh, football player. So Absolutely. I think that's the, the benefit of having like these guys around him, that type of talent. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because Georgia, though, losing Stetson Bennett, I think he's a bigger yeah. loss than people really give him credit for being because he was never the best player on their team. But he was always the most important player. He came up with really big magical plays when they needed it the most. Despite all the talent that was around him, they relied on him in huge moments. And if they put Carson Beck in that situation, I'm not sure he's going to be able to capitalize on those situations like Stetson Bennett did. I'm, I'm totally in agreement, Des. The most curious situation is Georgia. Because when you look at Alabama and Ohio State, each of the last four guys to start at quarterback for those two programs yeah. have been Heisman finalists. Yeah. Six of the eight were top 15 picks. Yeah. So to me, it's Georgia because you talked about how invaluable Stetson Bennett was for that team. And now you look at an early trip to Auburn. That's where I want to see Carson Beck. What happens when he has to handle adversity on the road in a hostile environment? You mentioned it, Des. Georgia has everything else you want on a roster, but what does that do? Does he have the intangibles that Stetson had that got him them to two straight national championships? And I believe I saw that uh, Kirby Smart said that Carson Beck could have started in those games if he needed to, but he is glad that he did get the role that he did so he could continue to grow and now show it this season out there for the Georgia Bulldogs, who are yep. trying, as everybody knows, to win three straight national titles. We are just getting started here on College Football Live. Still to come. 
Deion Sanders will make his debut as the Buffs' new head coach. What are the realistic expectations for year one in Colorado? And speaking of debuts, Joe Milton has a new home in Rocky Top. Will he be able to take the balls to new heights this year? You're watching College Football Live. College Football Live is presented by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Let's take a little bit of a look at action last night. Utah hosting Florida. Utah quarterback Cam Rising was out. Bryson Barnes in, making his second career start. And this is the first possession for Utah. Barnes dropping back, Daz. Look at this connection. Mm. Oh, what a beautiful pass and catch. Watch the two defenders knock each other off. I mean, it gets no better than that, especially to start a game in 2023. I am the man, Barnes is saying. Okay, Number 10 is Money Parks. <laughs> I love the name Money. So this is Nate Johnson. He's going to keep it and cut through the Florida defense. Rushes to the goal line. That's a 27-yard scamper and score. The second and third string quarterbacks for Utah were showing out. They were up 14-3. to Napier you're not happy about that. Fourth quarter now, under two minutes to play. Florida trailing 24-11. Graham Mertz, and he gets sacked on that one. But Stanford, Steve, you said you're not out on them yet, huh? No, I am not. I will. It's not a conference game. It's not a division game. I will judge them when the balls come to the swamp. Let's He's take not a even look. an alum either, so that's, that says something. <laughs> oh, I'm on an island today with that thought, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let's take a look at today's road test presented by Goodyear. The Buffs, one of the worst teams away from Boulder last season. They went 0-6. They ranked last, as you can see there, in road scoring defense and points differential. And it'll be a heck of a test. They're going to TCU tomorrow. ESPN analytics giving the Buffs an 8% chance to win that one. Look, Deion Sanders has never backed away from a challenge. It's part of the reason he took the job at Colorado. There's been a lot of buzz around him, though. What's the latest? Well, I think, Jen, this is the biggest story in college football this weekend and really this season. I'm Deion, we've never seen a coach like Deion Sanders, an NFL mega star. Yeah. I mean, he transcends sports. A guy who goes, earns his keep at Jackson State, dominates the competition there. Now he goes to Colorado. He's drawn all the attention. My worry, Jen, is that they were terrible last year. They were 111. Now he's overhauled the roster, dozens and dozens of new players. What I'm curious to see tomorrow is up front, can they block and can they, can they stop them? TCU's offensive line is an average of 330 pounds. Mm. Can they go in and just push them around? Colorado has good skill. Shador Sanders, the quarterback. Travis Hunter likely playing both ways. But will they be able to compete in the trenches? That is going to determine how far they can go from 1-11 this year. Steve, uh, what are realistic expectations for Dion? Well, I think for tomorrow it starts. you got to go in and compete. Like, I think so many teams, you mentioned the transfer portal numbers. These coaches, you don't have preseason games. They don't really know what they have. Right. I, you know, quarter, I'm guessing Shador was not live during, <laughs> during summer camp. I'm just exactly. going to make an assumption there. But here's my thing about this. What is the mindset? What happens at TCU? Yeah. Is it that bad where all this optimism you built up all offseason is, is done in one game? Because now you got as hungry a Nebraska team as you got coming in. You got an in-state game with Colorado State. And then you got Oregon and USC. 
this could get out of hand really quick. I think the biggest part and the most important part is tomorrow going and competing in Fort Worth. How much faith do you have in Colorado's quarterback, given what Pete said about the offensive line, defensive line situation going on? Yeah, that's, that's a dicey situation, and that's a concern. And I would think that the coaching staff at Colorado, they understand that. They're going to have to address that because Shadur Sanders – you know, he's a mobile quarterback, but he's not like the typical dual threat quarterback. He's more a pocket passer who can run. He wants to operate from behind his lineman and not move too much. Now, he can move. This is going to be something they're going to have to make an adjustment in game, depending on what's happening in the trenches. But, I mean, you guys are right. That's where a lot of these games are going to be won or lost, the battle in the trenches. We know they do have good skill, but... The beauty of everything is that they were so awful a year ago, they can only go up. <laughs> that's the only place that Colorado can go is up. So that's the beauty of all of this. There, you know? are, there are overhauls and then there are overhauls. Right. 87 new players, yeah. first-year players on this roster. Hopefully they gel, they build some chemistry, and they can do some good things out there on the field. Staying with debuts, how about Joe Milton? He's making his highly anticipated first start of the season for Tennessee. That's at high noon on ABC against Virginia, who obviously is dealing with their own things from last season. Milton transferred from Michigan prior to the 2021 season, starting the final two games of 2022, and is on a number of preseason awards lists. Desmond, what impact will him being in the volunteer uniforms have on that team? Uh, man, I tell you what, you know, everything coming out of Tennessee is about how big his arm is, how strong his arm is, how, how, how far he can throw a football. I'm like, well, listen, he's a quarterback. Now, this isn't baseball. So I'm not really into how far he can throw a, book, uh, a football or how, how hard he can throw a football. Because as receivers, you really don't care about that. I want to see how he's able to operate in that system. Touch throws, throws like that, intermediate passes, even like bubble screens, things of that nature. He's there to fill some huge shoes in what Hendon Hooker did a year ago. Now, the good thing is, those two are really tight. Mm -hmm. And he took a lot of lessons from Hendon Hooker. Now we're going to see if he can apply those lessons to the gridiron. I'm not worried about Milton at all. I think what I want to see is an improvement on the other side of the ball from Tennessee to be that major threat. Yeah. We saw him get humbled in Athens. Yeah. I mentioned the game in Gainesville in a couple weeks. That's where we'll, we'll get a sense of what Tennessee has and if they're on, better on the defensive side. In his final two starts last year, he averaged 200 passing yards, threw for four touchdowns, no picks. Not bad. I'd like to see his yardage go up a little bit in the games this season. All right, guys, that one is going to highlight our college football Labor Day weekend lineup. Virginia and number 12 Tennessee start us off at noon Eastern on ABC. Sunday, we've got the Camping World kickoff game. That's number five LSU squaring off against number eight Florida State. And then Labor Day night, Duke welcomes ninth-ranked Clemson at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Coming up. If you like big spreads, have we got big spreads this week? But where, oh, where is the upset amongst the squads taking the field? The guys will make their picks on that right after this. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Nationwide. College Football Live is presented by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. It is back. Action on the field. A season ready to erupt. And have a few hell yeah. 
This is what college football is supposed to be. Guys, we cannot wait for college game day tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. We're going to go all access with UNC quarterback Drake May. Oh, I'm hearing some cheers out there for the QB. One on one with Deontay. (laughs) (laughs) There's always one somewhere. And then we've got Darius Rucker joining the show as guest picker. Let's take a look at What's Your Beef, presented to you by Old Trapper. Steve, who is on upset watch this weekend? Uh, I'm going to have to wait a couple days, but it's it's Monday night. I think Ooh. Clemson should be very wary of Duke. Uh, Clemson, we know, a lot of change. New offensive coordinator. I don't think they have the same amount of talent as they've had in the years previous yeah. on the defensive line. What does that look like going on the road and what should be an awesome atmosphere right. with Riley Leonard and Duke team that returns a lot of guys? I'd be wary if I was Clemson. Um, not a cupcake, but very interesting matchup. Boise versus Washington. Oh. Now, I picked Washington to win the Pac-12, and there's no conflict there because they can actually lose <laughs> to Boise and still win the Pac-12. Cover all those bases. That's right. But <laughs> I think it's just going to be an interesting game, like interesting kickoff time and everything. And it's like a it went from 10 points to 14 points. So just keep an eye on Boise versus Washington. I always think your picks are interesting. I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> Pete, what you got? <laughs> I'm going to put Illinois on upset alert. They're nine-and-a-half-point favorites against MAC champion Toledo. Uh, we know Toledo will not flinch. Remember what they did to Notre Dame a few years ago yep. when they pushed them all the way to the end of that game in South Bend. They have a potential first-round pick at cornerback in Quinion Mitchell. Daquan Finn is the most established quarterback in the MAC. He led them to the MAC title last year. I feel like that's a veteran group. Credit to Toledo and their administration, their coach Jason Candle. They did not get rated after winning the MAC. That's the reality of modern college football. You win a league like that, your best players go get poached. They stayed home, and they're going to charge down to try to win in Champaign. Are you trying to tell me that those defensive players that they brought to media day for <laughs> Illinois are not going to get the job done this weekend? Well, that's the middle. They get Brett Bielma, God bless him, brought two defensive tackles, including Johnny Newton, who's the best defensive tackle in the country. So just leave us going on the outside, Jen. That's right. right. That's the game plan. Thanks for watching Game Day, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning on ESPN. We'll see you.